It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, the Braves have finally played their cards right. And the Falcons have two key players back at practice today. Maybe we'll see them on Sunday. What kind of impact might that have on the Falcons' game plan for the Packers? And last but not least, and for the culture, Shadur making how much? This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day One your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day Ones is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in 10 minutes, CP84, CB2 on their way back. We'll talk about it. But first, we have to talk about the Braves last night. T, they get the dub last night, 7-6 to six in 10 innings. Eddie Rosario coming through with the runner already on base with that crazy behind rule. Hey, the Braves took advantage of it, and they get dubbed. The magic number is now 2T, but I think the – I think the 1A story, because we already know what 1B story is, and we'll talk about Matt Olsen in just a bit, but that 1A story for me has to be the ace of this staff, Max Free, putting together another sweet outing, going five innings to you and only giving up one run. Yeah, and old Maximus, I'm sure, wanted to maximize pimp slapping some people that came behind him and almost blew everything that he did. Oh, yes, that's the perfect way of putting it, by the way. Yes, pimp like, yes, that's what just, they needed. Exactly. Joe Jimenez. Magnificent. Come on now. Yes. What's wrong with you? It's, yeah, I mean, literally, I'm sure he just wanted to, and I don't want to be violent, but if he would have chosen violence against okay. most of the pen, other than AJ Mentor and, of course, Brad Hand, we would have all understood. Because if you can go five innings and just again, and we got to think about the fact that in the first two games, it was like a human highlight reel as far as home runs and just runs, period, right? Yes. So for Max Free to somehow keep that to one, especially Jarvis, to keep it to one run, especially when you see that he and Zach Wheeler were going toe to toe for four, four innings, right? Oh, both of them gave up one run and then all of a sudden the top of the fifth happened and it was all she wrote for Wheeler. So that to me is more even more of a compliment to Max Fried and just how great it was last night. And also being able to get six strikeouts and only four hits. I mean, it was just a really, really great inning. And once again, tells you and this to me is also a great thing for the most part, drivers, maybe except one game. Since Max Fred has been back from IL, he has really, really shown up and seems to just be 100% of himself. That is so critical going into these final couple of weeks. Yeah, like in his last five starts, he's only had like a 2.73 ERAT. Absolutely just amazing. 
I, I love the way the Braves handled this injury situation. They didn't rush them back. They played their cards right. They didn't go out and go try to get somebody to try to be a, a hired hand or anything after the um at, at the trade deadline. I absolutely love the way the Braves have handled this. Once again, Axanthopoulos played his cards right, and mm-hmm. now they're reaping the benefits of it with their ace of the staff ready to roll come October. Now, Max Olsen. Max Olson, Matt Olson, excuse me, uh, um, t- put his name in the record books, at least the franchise record books last night. He, he tied Andrew Jones, Andrew Jones, excuse me, 51 home runs last night. T. Like, this got to be the most quietest <laughs> MVP candidate you'll probably ever meet in life. Oh, yeah. He I mean, he literally is like a marquee where if you're going to a concert, it says Ronald Acuna Jr. featuring Matt Olson. That's how it feels. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like that kind of marquee. And it's it's just unbelievable that you could have 52 runs. And also, I think he's up to 128 RBI. So that's another thing that we talked about even yesterday. And now here again today, he's leading the, the majors in that as well. And one of the low key things that has been an undercurrent of how he's been able to be so successful, especially the back half of the season, is limiting the strikeouts, limiting the strikeouts, understanding Mm -hmm. that we know you're a power hitter, but not every ball is going to go out of the park and you don't have to chase every ball to try to get it out of the park. If you can make contact, especially with the two And I say two in particular because I'm talking about Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies and their ability to get on base and steal base, right? So Mm -hmm. if you've got those two ahead of you, and in some instances where others, like Michael Harris II, were put in that two-hole, you've got fast guys who can get there, just make contact with the ball and get some some runs driven in. That, to me, the, the lack of strikeouts and the increase in the RBI accompanying the increase in the home runs. I think that's the full story of what Matt Olson can do. And Max Free talked about it as well. Don't forget how well he plays defense at first base. Absolutely. Um, he's he's a gold glove type player at, 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 at that position. So got to remind you somebody else. I don't know. I can't remember the guy's name. I don't know. Yeah. But, but T, to your point, <laughs> to your point, last 10 games, eight home runs, 16 RBIs. Yeah. Just, yes. just how he rolls. Um, you know, like it's September T. So, you know, at some point, the basketball, the professional basketball team is going to start playing. You know, yes. And before Hawks. Pro- right. And I'm so sorry. I got to say this because if I didn't say it, you'd be like, how did we forget to say that? Ronald Acuna Jr., I think it's his 152nd run. So he surpassed Dale Murphy because, of course, he had a home run last night, too. 132. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So having the most runs in a season, and we still have two weeks of the season left. So we'd be remiss if we didn't mention him because, like we said, he's big on the marquee, and he's big on the marquee because of things like that that he did. Absolutely, absolutely. And Trey Young hopes to be big on the marquee and having an MVP type of season. That would be absolutely amazing. But uh, there was an interesting article that wrote about, you know, the Hawks as a whole and kind of where they are as an organization. And we kind of have have conversations about this because they're kind of like at the end of the day. Right now, they're kind of in the middle. They're kind of in the middle, right? We we don't think they are contenders, but we don't think they are a team that are going to be competing for the number one overall pick, right? So I think that, and this article kind of spoke to that. But for me, T, I think about where the Hawks are. You know, they basically traded away John Collins. That was their big-time move uh, in the offseason and re-signed DeJounte Murray to a very 
pretty much team friendly deal. And, and when you think about those moves and what Quinn Snyder's bring, Quinn Snyder's Quinn Snyder brings to the table, are you in a space where to say, hey, this is enough for them at least to be in the conversation to be in the top half of a playoff seed? I think they could. It really depends. I think a lot still depends on what happens with Dame Lillard and whether or not Miami gets that much better or whether or not they stand Pat, which Pat is still really good. But that to me is one of those dominoes that has to fall because they're kind of in the middling, right? In that middling space, because you know, you're going to have the Celtics, you know, you're going to have the Bucks. And then it becomes, okay, now who's third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth? I mean, literally, anybody could be three to eight in the East. So because anybody can be three, anywhere between three and eight in the East, why not have that conversation to say maybe the Hawks can, like you said, get up into that top four. That way, at least they can host an opening round series, which would be great. But I think that someone like Quinn Snyder He's saying, and he talked about this on the steakhouse over at 92.9 yesterday, how he, and that was the direct question, like based on all the moves that everyone else made in the off season in the East, where do you think the hogs kind of stack up? And basically he said, he feels like there's enough growth and evolution that can take place with the roster that they have to be able to contend. To me, that sounds like a competent coach that has, that has seen enough in the 22 regular season games. That sounds like a whip it out coach. Like, Yeah. Oh, no question. Confident enough yeah. that, right. And that's a part of his coaching. That's Excuse the, part the, 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 the framing of that. But, you know, like, that's yeah. that, that, that sounds like to me. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. Well, yeah, it does. It does sound like someone who believes in their coaching ability and their ability to get the very best out of every player. Because he did say also that every single player, not just Trey, but every single player has to step up their game in order for them to be successful this season. Yeah, like it has to be internal growth because, like I said, they haven't made the necessary moves that, well, let me not say necessary moves. They haven't made the moves that would appear, at least on paper, that they're going to be contenders yes. in the Eastern Conference. So I, I think mm-hmm. right now, I mean, they they have no choice but to bank on it because financially, we don't even know if they had the okay to go try to make those moves, T. Yeah, yeah, we're we got still. Answer too, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's still conjecture on did they or did they not? Like, what was the reality of it? Did they mm-hmm. actually go after Pascal Siakam? Did they actually have a g- good chance at him? And that's just one example. But yeah, maybe uh, Coach Quinn Snyder is also looking at moves like we only know of one so far this season, right? Well, two. Mm-hmm. One started before the season ended, and one came during the summer. The move that started during the season was the uh, Onyeka Okongwu really uh, working with Kyle Korver and some of the other players working with him just to get a jump shot and really kind of evolve their offensive game. And then Jalen Johnson going and working out with LeBron James. That's huge. I mean, because you're going to the best of the best and saying, hey, I really want to evolve my game. How do I get it done? So if everybody can do what double O and Jalen did over the summer to get themselves exponentially better. To your point, Jarvis, then at least on paper, we got a conversation. I want to trust their evaluations. I want to trust their eyeballs because Jalen Johnson, I've, I've gotten a peek into what they think he might be, but I want to see it. I want to see it yeah. on the court. And I want everybody to be able to see, you know what, man, it's Jalen Johnson, dude, is, is the real deal. That's probably mm-hmm. why they didn't trade for Pascal Siakam. Not saying he's going to be on the all-pro level, but – like I said, that internal growth is the key, and we will definitely keep an eye on that as we get closer to the NBA season. 
Folks, I'm going to let you know that this episode of ATL Day 1 is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the number one sportsbook in America. Guess what? What they have for all you new customers, all you new people who haven't come to the website just yet. What are you waiting on? I'm tired of you folks not going to this website. So I need you to go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and check out the bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets back. Guaranteed. Yes. All you got to do is drop five bucks. Plus, on top of that, Whoever bets $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. You want to be able to watch the Falcons in Washington, D.C. or in New York or California on your phone or whatever? How often? Go ahead and do it. And you're going to get $100 off. All you got to do is drop $5 on bet and get that $200 in bonus bets and then get your $100 off NFL Sunday tickets. So now is the best time to join FanDuel because the app is safe. It's super easy to use. You can bet on anything from the player props to the spreads to much, much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Now, if you were someone who bet on Cordero Patterson coming back this week, good for you. But if you were like Jarvis and me, you were not betting on Jeff Okuda coming back this week, right? We really thought that with that injury, four weeks was probably the safest expectation to maybe see him come back in week five. Well, got word, confirmation that both Jeff Okuda and Cordero Patterson are at practice today. And those are both good signs because If you're at practice on the day when installs truly start to get up and running, that's a great, great sign. Now, it'll be interesting to see because, of course, we get the injury report after practice. It'll be interesting to see to see if they were limited in their practice, full participation. I would expect limited today and maybe full tomorrow and or Friday. But Jarvis, just on the surface, how important or impactful could it be to get Jeff Okuda and Cordero Patterson back for Sunday? You know, to be honest with you, I'm going to start with Cordero Patterson because I think that I believe that he's the one that's more likely to play. Because Indeed. when you think about the certain moves that they made, equal, um, equal bouquet, my guy, mm-hmm. uh, Godwin. Yeah. Uh, so they, um, they, um, he got released. So, you know, when you, you think about because Cordero Patterson is going to be a kickoff return, right? And he was, equal yes. um, bouquet was back there um, returning kicks on Sunday. So you kind of like, okay, you kind of put two and two together two and two together, like the math is going to bore out to Cordero Patterson being on, being on that field on Sunday with him being out there. I really feel like that is like, I think that we're going to really find out what a joker position, right. And what does that mean on the offensive side of football? We it's been used on the defense side of football, but we haven't really seen it used on the, on the offensive side of the football. So I think that he's going to be another weapon, another piece that Arthur Smith can use in order to, 
throw the defenses off because I, I like how Arthur Smith in his offense, he works a lot of formations, a lot of 12, 12 personnel. Some of you, we saw a lot of 13 personnel on Sunday. I'm waiting for the 14. He said he was going to do it. He said it's a possibility. T. I asked him personally. I was like, hey, man, you going to throw some 14 personnel out there? Oh, no, we might do that. So, you know, Arthur Smith, like, I think the creativity is going to be there when you have a guy like Cordero Patterson because he can line up at wide receiver, because he can line up at running back. And, hey, he can line up close to the line of scrimmage because he's a little chunky, too. Hey, he can put his hands on you. He's willing to block as well. So, it's so many things that you can do when you have a guy like Cordero Patterson in that lineup. Um, I just think there's going to be something that Arthur Smith can – can have fun with like he can it's another yeah. toy in the toolbox indeed and i think for cp as well in addition to what he can do in the return game if he's yes. lined up as a receiver maybe he can give you some of those blocks that you didn't quite get from drake london last week and so like you said him being more of a stout mm-hmm. guy he could kind of give you something you give and him maybe- uh, that was, i'm gonna give him i'm gonna give him make one excuse for him for this year no more for the rest of the season you gotta get him involved <laughs> yes you do <laughs> And that's what I was going to say. Maybe if he doesn't have to focus on blocking, maybe that'll give him an opportunity. If you put CP out there as a decoy or slash a blocker, maybe that'll Mm -hmm. give Drake London an opportunity to get his hands on the ball a little bit more. Because to your point, it's not his fault that he was only targeted twice and caught one ball. Like you have to be targeted more than two times in order for you to get more than one catch in all Mm -hmm. likelihood. So yeah, I think that Cordero Patterson, a would be the more likely to come back, this coming Sunday and B because of that, he'll probably be the most impactful. But if Jeff Okuda no catches on Sunday, no catches on Sunday. He yeah. didn't catch on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, that's right. So, um, and if you look at Jeff Okuda, I mean, um, Desmond Ritter had one, one more catch, you know, some, a reporter, I ain't going to say his name, asked Arthur Smith about that last, last, last um, at the, after the game. So I'm just like, all right, bro, what are we doing here? But anyway, but yeah, Continue. I'm sorry for interrupting. (laughs) (laughs) So with Jeff Okuda, now, of course, you know, probably sitting at a 40, 60 chance for him to come back, mostly 60, not. But Mm -hmm. if he actually does get back on the field, even if in uh, limited situations, how important would it be to get him back or impactful would it be to get him back? Oh, it'd be great. I mean, because we saw the secondary look pretty doggone solid on Sunday. Like when... You know, outside of, you know, Bryce Young having a little bit more time than normal to throw the football, we we saw those guys out there covering. A.J. Terrell looked solid. Um, even Trey Flowers, he had a couple moments here with some penalties that were very questionable. But I, I think overall he played pretty um, pretty solid. And then you had Mike Hughes who was out. So I think that if you get a guy like Mike Hughes back, you get a guy like Jeff Okuda back, you're talking about that secondary that we were saying had, that had the most depth on the defense from a positional standpoint, right? So I think right now, if we if Jeff Okuda comes back, I really feel like this is going we're going to get a good picture as to what we what Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith and Ryan Nielsen what they all envisioned when they brought all these guys in. Yeah, I, I would say the same. And yeah, I thought that they definitely did a solid job without Jeff Okuda. And who knows, they may actually have a less than perfect Packers receiving core than what the Bears had to deal with. Because, of course, right now we'll talk about it more tomorrow because we'll have more information about whether or not Aaron Jones is closer to being a go or not being a go. So some of that can actually work in 
the Falcons favor. Not that you ever want anyone to be injured, but just in terms of if you can go one or two more games without Jeff Okuda and make sure that he's truly back to 100% because you feel like you have enough in the secondary that you are putting on the field now to be able to handle the backers, then I think you hold him out that one more week and just let him get as close as he can to 100%. Yeah, I I mean, because like you can afford to do it, right? Because it looks solid with him, you know, with Jeff Okuda not being in there this week. It was fine. And like, hey, you you can bank on that for at least one or, one or two more weeks how, or however long Jeff Okuda is going to be out because we still don't know. Like, I'm like, how y'all get away with this type of stuff? But anyway, but yes, but yes, to your point, I think that is something that, you know, the Falcons can't afford to to let him sit a little bit. Like, yeah, Cornette Armstrong sitting right there ready to go in the back. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, if you get what you need up front, then that makes it easier on your secondary anyway. And that's something we will definitely dive into tomorrow (laughs) because yeah, we definitely have to talk about uh, a very daunting task that both the defensive front, look, the whole defense has a a challenge coming up with the Packers this week. But we'll dig more into the, the defensive front and what they have the challenge, the biggest challenge for them. Now, speaking of that, you know, scheming can always be an interesting thing, right? Scheming yeah. from one week to another. And, you know, some people, especially in the first half, some people were boo, you know, booing that Arthur Smith was calling too many vanilla plays, that things were not complex enough and they didn't like his play calling. And in the second half, people seemed to be more comfortable with his play mm-hmm. calling. Also, Ryan Nielsen was called out a little bit for the first half because people were not understanding what's up with all these substitutions, right? And yeah. then he tweaked some things in that second half that really slowed the Panthers down. So when you look at at a high level, the schemes, if you will, do you maybe see, other than the tweaks that you make from week to week for the Packers, my question is more of, do you see changes in the schemes based on, hey, we've now, we've now been able to see Desmond Ritter this season in action, so we kind of know if we can – throw some more stuff at him. And then on the defensive side, okay, we saw that we threw some people out there um, to see what they can do. And now that we can see what some can do and some can't, that might inform us on schemes as well. Yeah. uh, I definitely think the latter is true. When you talk about what the Carolina Panthers were able to do um, in that first half. And I, I talked about how like, they look like a they look like a preseason offense in that first half of the, the season because you saw Chris Lindstrom getting handled by Derrick Brown. Now, I know a lot of people were pointing that out and getting concerned. Calm down. That that guy showed me from day one that he uh, understands how to recover. He knows how to make necessary adjustments. And you saw a little bit of it in the second half of that game. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that they're going to be handcuffed like they were in that first half because. I, I, I mean, I know Rashawn Gary is a solid, solid edge rusher and everything like that, but he ain't no Brian Burns. Right. Brian Burns going to make 25 to $30 million a year annually, <laughs> you know, the way he played last week. And then Derrick Brown is just an absolute man. I know Kenny Clark is solid, but he is no Derrick Brown. Yeah. So I think just for those reasons, for the defensive front that they're going to be going up against, I don't think they're going to have – they're going to be – probably closer to the the second half of that game versus the first half of that game. Because here's the thing, like Arthur Smith is not going to put Desmond Ritter in a situation to the way he can make mistakes. He's not going to do it. I promise you folks, he's not going to do it. He's going to call plays accordingly. Now you may or may not like that, but that's kind of what it is because he is trying to do what he necessary is to win games. Because I even go back to 2021 when he first came in, they could not run the football. 
They right. just couldn't do it. So right. that's why they dropped back the pass. And, and because they had a guy like Matt Ryan, who's a veteran, and he can slam right. that bad boy. Yeah. Got an offensive line one, all that great. But right. he had to do what he had to do to try to win some games. They ended up winning seven games, throwing the ball all over the yard. And teams knowing that, hey, this team can't run the football against us. So, yeah, we're going to have to defend the pass. So I think that it's just it's a chess match. It's going to be a week-to-week thing as far as what this game plan looks like and what Desmond Ritter, as far as how many passes he's going to throw. Will he throw 18 or, or will he throw 15 or will he throw 25? I think if, if – and I think the answer to that question is, okay, can't Green Bay hold up against the pass? Mm, they got some guys, pretty good doggone players in that secondary. So, hey, guess what we're going to do? We're going to do what we do best, and that's run the football. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think that running the football is still going to be their bread and butter at the end of the day. I do see, like you said, that Desmond Ritter probably won't hover around 15 passes, if you will, probably get more right. in that 2025 20, range. Yeah. But ultimately speaking, I think that now Arthur Smith and Dave Ragone have seen what they needed to see out of Desmond Ritter, because I think that's the critical piece. Even things like, okay, maybe, you know, you drop back to pass and you didn't see that rush coming. And then you kind of made a rash decision on uh, where you threw the ball, but then give you a whole bunch of credit. Bijan Robinson couldn't catch the ball where he did to go 11 yards for the touchdown. If you didn't see him out there by himself to say, oh, okay, that's where I'm going to go. So still he's able to get to that line of scrimmage and still have better vision that's improving week by week. So I think that's why they might uh, throw some different wrinkles in there this Sunday, because maybe they've seen enough for him to say, Hey, now we can add to the playbook for him uh, uh, coming up against the the Packers. But let, let's hear from you guys. What do you think about CP coming back this week every day? Or do you think that's possible? How do you think it's going to impact the game? What about Jeff Okuda? Are they okay? Are the Falcons okay if he doesn't come back? Or do they need him to come back now because of all that we saw in that 38 points that the Packers put on the Bears last week? Don't forget to put the comments in our comment section on YouTube. And of course, don't forget to download ATL Day Ones wherever you get your podcasts. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on the show today is no different. T, when you think about, like, Prime, Deion Sanders, head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, he literally has took an, an, an irrelevant team that no one was talking about, no one cared about, and he has been the storyline for the first two weeks of the college football season. But I think... He's been upended because Shadur Sanders, T, I don't know if you know, uh, the man is is running up draft boards right now. Yeah. And I think even Mel Kuyper got him ranked as QB three um, at this point, right? First round draft pick. But uh, before he even gets to the NFL, before we can get to the NFL draft, they're saying that he is now projected to make four point. $1 million in NIL this season, T. That's more than 1,500 players in the NFL. Like, do you see a problem with this? I do, but it's going to be very difficult to police. Very, mm. very difficult to police because, yes. my goodness, we and we talked about it before. Yes, we do definitely think that we both think there needs to be some type of framework put in place to help most players. Now, the good thing about Shadur Sanders is he doesn't need as many of those 
parameters no, put in place because Dion is a very intelligent man, Absolutely. right? And mm -hmm. he's going to make sure that his son does the right thing with his money in anticipation of just life after football, right? Because you just never right. know. So he'll be fine. Also, if he never made a penny or if he just made $1,000 from the NIL, he'd be fine. But it still goes back to the right. It still goes back to the rest of these guys. And it actually makes me think about the WNBA versus the NBA, right? Where mm -hmm. the WNBA, they're making like pennies. And no, the NBA wouldn't be making nickels to their pennies or dimes or quarters to their pennies. They'd be making like tens, ten dollars to every penny they make. That's, that's sure. kind of the comparison. So, yeah, or even a hundred dollars. Yeah, sure. it could yeah. conceivably be right. Mm -hmm. So his four point one mil to me, it's like, yeah, it, it's a problem because. I mean, he's only a sophomore at the end of the day, so, yeah, it's a problem and. The other piece there is, or Junior rather, but the other piece yeah. there with him is how do you, you know, navigate it with the rest of the team, right? Because sometimes, and this is just me, I know that Deion Sanders is the story, which means yeah. by default somewhat, Shadur is the story as well. Of but course. I guess my thought is I hope that this doesn't kind of rattle the cages of the rest of the players because there's so much attention and so much energy on both of them. So I'm just hoping, again, looking at it from another angle, that at least, hey, like Shadur said, and he said this when he was with Jackson State, when he got this huge NIL deal, he went out and he, I think he purchased something for just about everybody on the team. Well, everybody yeah, on the team. He did. He and did. so mm -hmm. he, if he keeps that mentality, that mindset, I think he'll be fine. Because that makes people feel like, hey, we were a part of your success because if, if this O-line didn't block, you wouldn't have the time to make your reads. And if your receivers mm -hmm. weren't where they needed to be, you wouldn't be able to get 500 yards passing, right? So I think he Or transfer to a power five conference and all of a sudden become a, an amazing quarterback. Like, right, which didn't happen. You were that already. <laughs> right. So I think that at the end of the day, if they navigate it properly, it should be fine as it relates to how it impacts the team or the program, but it does bring back the question of how in the world is this ever going to be policed? Especially because, think about here locally, Dylan Raiola is getting paid. He's a high schooler. Yeah. KJ Bolden is getting paid. He's a this high schooler. Is, yeah. This is, yeah. this is going to be, I, I absolutely love it because it's basically like chaos. I love organized chaos because, hey, at the end of the day, like they are these some of these most of these players, I'm assuming that, you know, they have represent, some representation, something, yes. some person of some ilk that can actually go over a contract and, and everything like that and kind of make sure everything's on up and up. But I think that what's happened in the college football world, this is a free this is what a free market looks like. And like and I'm all for these guys getting as much money as possible because mm -hmm. the NFL ain't guaranteed, folks. Like yeah. we're talking about one percent. No. What? Even down to Shakur, <laughs> right? You never you know ever know. You might, you might, your career might get ended tomorrow. You know, I, now God, I, I pray that that does not happen for Shadur. Sure. I want to see him play as long as he possibly can. Right. But that, that what situation that happened on Monday night with Aaron Rodgers? That's real. That yes. is real. Now he's made a poop ton of money, and he's going to go into the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. But I'm sure Aaron was looking to prove himself. You know, with another team and take mm -hmm. another team to a, to a Super Bowl and be beloved in New York, just like Joe Namath was or is yeah. to this day. So I think that that, yeah, like go out there and get your money. 
Yeah, you and, have you know, to. And, and, and you, got, you have to. You have to. And, and, don't, and don't compare it to the NFL because the NFL has a salary cap. That's why yeah. the owners have a salary cap because of stuff like this, because they don't want guys to just be able to make whatever money yeah. and that whatever person signs the next, like we, there's no cap on it. It's just like, all right, right. You, are you next in line? Like Sam Bradford, I think was the, was the last guy to get that crazy uh, deal for mm-hmm. being drafted number one overall. Right. And then Cam Newton was sitting up here like, dang, Sam Bradford got all that bread. Like, I'm, I'm much better than him. So, yeah. So right. that's why they put the whole rookie scale in mm-hmm. because of that. So it's like anytime. But I think that the difference between NFL and NCAA T is the fact that NCAA ain't trying to put no money into have some hire some people to come up with a structure and to, 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 to be able to control that. So that's why I say it's going to be free willy until it ain't free willy no more. But the sad thing about it is they actually have programs that could work because the NFL, I believe, and the NBA and Major League Baseball, they all have player development programs that I believe were actually built off of what the NCAA had. So there are programs out there to help guys to say, hey, what if you don't make it to the league? Like, how are you going to utilize your money? What's your career? What's life after college football or college sports? So they have programs in place. The problem is the NCAA has no power. They have no ability to enforce anything. So that goes back to your comment about how important and vital and viable it is to have the chaos because the chaos actually is going to explode and enforce or force someone somewhere to say, okay, enough. Yeah. All right, enough. Yeah. We, we've got to fix this. So yeah, you kind of sometimes have to blow stuff up and just let it fall to pieces so that the powers that be, it'll get their attention to say, okay, all right, we do have to allow them to make money off their name, image and likeness because these programs wouldn't be what they are without these student athletes, mm-hmm. but we also have to regulate this thing because this is too much like the wild, wild west. So yeah, I think you absolutely have to have something in place, but I do like what's happening. And I do like that there's information out there that tells you, yeah, sure has got 4.1 mil coming his way because those are the types of things that also keep the conversation going about what restrictions are needed for uh, college sports. And Hey, let's face it for high school sports as well. Cause GHSSA or GHSAA, they're looking at this. They're looking at this to try to figure out, is there any way that they can put some restrictions on it? But you know what? It's not restricted. The Braves' ability to get a sixth National League East title. If they can pull off a win tonight, Spencer Strider on the mound, game over. So Christopher Sanchez is who he'll be facing off against. It's a 640 first pitch. So, hey, maybe we can actually watch the game and not fall asleep before it ends. But anyway, hopefully those guys can get it done tonight. And it would be so sweet because we know that the Phillies are a team that sometimes feels like they have their number. And so it'd be great if they could just win the series. But we'll talk about it tomorrow. Any other developments that come out of Flowery Branch from practice today, you know we got the tea on it. And anything else that's coming out of the world of sports here in Atlanta, you know that we will bring that to you. And make sure you guys share love, show love, and most importantly, spread some love. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.